Today's service is actually going to be broken up into two sections, one that's going to be recorded and one that is not because we need to take time and pray for the Stokes and what's going on in that situation. Um, So today I also reworded and retitled this sermon and this teaching, Walking with God in Bad and Good Times. We really need to know and really think about um, who our God is and how he brought people through the bad times. And a lot of times I think we escalate or we really just put up on a pedestal and recall the good times. <clears throat> and um, before we do that, I was thinking about that and how when I was going through a really tough time, I looked to my grandfather who I looked, for, looked up to when he was still alive. And um, I asked him, I said, Grandpa, how do you, how do you live through that? It, it was just tearing me down mentally, emotionally, physically. And um, he had went through uh, two wives with cancer. I mean, seeing them just wreak, have the cancer wreak their bodies havoc and everything, yet he still praised the Lord through it all. Yet he was troubled at times. And he told me some words of wisdom and he said, you get through it because you remember the good times. And a lot of times those bad times just fall aside because you see how good the hand of God was with you. And so we all go through those trials and those tribulations and it refines us for God's glory. Let's take, for instance, Israel. They were brought into Egypt through Joseph, but yet they were slaves and servants in Egypt for 400 years. An entire generation had to, they were brought out of Egypt and into the desert. And because Israel wasn't listening and didn't have a heart after God, even after he brought them through the the waters, they were put into the wilderness for 40 years. An entire generation had to die before the generation with the heart after God and would listen to him was brought into the promised land. Ruth, we remember Ruth, how she was not Jewish, but she was a Gentile, but she joined with Israel. And yet, we remember how she is the grandmother of King David. That's what I remember the most. Yet, her, her mother-in-law and Ruth had to lose their husbands. Ruth's mother-in-law had to lose her sons. Trials and tribulations. But we recall the good more than we do the bad. Let's look at Esther. Turn to Esther chapter 4. I'm just going to read through this. And yet, I see Mordecai. It's interesting. As I was reading this, again, we always pick up on different things. And I see here in this scripture that Mordecai told Esther, If you don't do it, God will do it some other way. He already trusted and knew that God would deliver them from the hand of Haman. So I picked this chapter and I'm just going to read it. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. In each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting weeping and wailing, and many lay a sackcloth and ashes. Then Esther, 
Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen writhed in great anguish. And she sent garments to the clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathach from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was and why it was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai to, to the city square in the front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the exact text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Hathoth came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hathoth and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he put to death, unless the king holds out him his golden scepter, so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these thirty days. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. See, Mordecai's faith is in this statement. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent, At this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. You see, Mordecai believed. Maybe some of them would have been killed, but he would have kept a remnant. 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Yes, we recall Esther and the Israelites being brought through all that. And they they were glorified through it. And even... Haman hung on the same gallows. But they had to go through this anguish. They had to go through this suffering first. (coughs) And what did they do? They took the words of the Lord and they fasted and they prayed. It's amazing to me whenever I talk to somebody that's going through cancer and I say, I'll pray for you. They know I'm going to do that. But as soon as I say, I will fast for you as well they always take a step back. They know, they're like, wow, you're actually going to do something more than just prayer and just words. Well, and that's because I look at the wisdom and what they did in the scriptures, and that's what they did here. It's interesting, this whole passage didn't say they were going to pray, it says they were going to fast. It's a behavior. Now I know prayers went along with it. Turn over to Daniel 6. What do we know about Daniel? We know that he was taken from his homeland. 
We know that he had to go through this agony and this distress. And yet he's used for God's glory. Not only Daniel, but many boys of Israel and Jewish boys at that. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've started using Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah because those are their Hebrew names. So Daniel... In chapter 6, we see how he was entrapped. He's already went through all these trials and tribulations, right? Can you imagine being around anywhere from 9 to 14 years old and taken from your family, taken from the homeland, seeing your brother and die because they just didn't like the Jews? Interesting, I'm hearing that today, that people are just being killed because they're Jewish in other countries and being hated or beat up. So Daniel, in this, this time, we're going to see how he has a good relationship with this king, but yet something is decreed, and he has to go through a night in the lion's den. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps, and over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. See, Daniel was in that group. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Inasmuch as he was faithful, no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. May it be with us as well. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows, King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, these prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now a Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is in the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued to kneel on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making his petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, For thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, 
which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Interesting. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed, holding the king to his own words. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, amazing here, this king's statement to Daniel before being thrown in, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Our words and our actions can bring somebody to that faith. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet ring of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. The king went off to his palace, spent the night fasting. Again, not praying, just fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. When we're in that anguish, what happens? It's hard to eat, and it's hard to sleep. When we're against God, it's hard to do those two. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, your servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke, and he heard, O king, live forever! My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up and out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Wow. Daniel, overnight, was put in with the lions. I love my kids' cartoons because of this, because it shows that he was just sitting with them. I can't imagine just sitting amongst the lions. But our God delivered him, and we remember how Daniel was brought through the lion's den. We remember how Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were brought through the furnace of the fires. But what anguish they had to go through. They had to trust in God as they took those first steps into the lion's den or into the furnace. They trusted in him. What's interesting here is it goes on to say in this chapter, verse 24, The king then gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel. Maliciously. And they cast them 
and their children, their wives, into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples and nations, men of every language who were living in all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So the Daniel... So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. All this anguish had to happen before he was exalted. You see, not a negative word was brought against his accusers, but the king did it himself. And yet the king established his relationship with God because of Daniel's walk with him. It's interesting, we... As we know, people that are going through struggles, we have to go through them ourselves at times. And we, our strength and their witness going through those trials can strengthen us if we can learn from them. But sometimes it also pushes people away as they go through those trials. Turn with me to Acts. Or actually, go to Ezra real quick. Ezra 8. Sometimes I think we, we, we don't think God will hear us when we actually have just minor things to pray to or concerns for Him. Yet in this passage, I picked this passage out to read because it's just about traveling. Yet it was dangerous to travel in these areas. They were in the ghetto, if you want to say, through L.A. or Compton. And they were worried about the traveling for their children and their families and even living through it. And Ezra... Chapter 8, 21 through 23 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek for Him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy of the, on the way, because we had said to the king, the hand of our God, our God is favorably dispossessed to all those who seek Him. But His power and His anger are against all those who forsake Him. So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter, and He listened to our entreaty. He delivered them through. They were, it shows right there, they were in anguish. They were suffering. They were worried about their kids surviving the trip. And what did they do? They fasted and they prayed. We need to learn. And I know I've taught on fasting and prayer before, but I'm just bringing this up again for a later point. In Acts 13, 1-3, says, Now they, the, this is the disciples, Now there were in, at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius and Cyrene, and men in name, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod, the patriarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, 
the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. Then they sent them away. Again, just showing us whenever times... Remember, they had to lose Christ. They had to, he had to die to, be, to go through that anguish to actually raise from the dead. He had to be put to death. Here we see the disciples going through time to try to re- send somebody out. And what are they doing? They're acting in godly ways says that they're witnessing and doing things for the Holy Spirit, and yet they're fasting in certain ways. In 1 Peter, let's talk about the trials and tribulations and what happens. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys already know all this. 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 1, 3-8 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We can know that He will get us through no matter what the trial, no matter what the tribulation. That is our end goal. Just as it says in John 19, where Christ was before Herod and before Pilate, He tells them, they ask Him questions, and He says, You would have no authority over Me unless it had been given from above. There is nothing that we go through that God our Father can't construct for the better good. Yes, it seems like the society is getting worse, but God will work through it. Our hope is the same as it was back then. For there is no judge, no lawyer, no therapist, no social worker, no doctor can do anything to us that cannot work through God. There's going to be a time, there is a time, that we do need to pray, we do need to fast. Because those who went before us show us within the scriptures how to do it and plead and talk with God in times of distress. And it shows us that he listens when his people come together and ask him for the good of his people. So, let's go to the prayer right now for a second. Abba Father, we ask you to work within us, cause us to be a people united together in the cause of your kingdom. And may you be glorified through it all from day to day in our actions. These things 
we ask through you, Father, and through your Son. Amen.